0: From high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks. Welcome back to The Joy of Booking. My name is DC Matthews at The DC Matthews. Uh, This is going to be a weird episode. Uh. Usually, you know, we have the Corona Cup. We have lots to do with the Corona Cup. Uh, I have some random fantasy booking ideas that I want to do here. Uh, We're going to get to week six of the happening. That's going to happen in stages. I'm not even going to fall asleep and do it in my dreams. I actually tried to do it in, uh, in real life. This is my attempt to be a sports center anchor, which is a job. I really never wanted, although I did have dreams in high school of going to Syracuse University to major in broadcast journalism. Why? Because Bobby Heenan always said he was a broadcast journalist, and I wanted to be Bobby Heenan. It took until I teamed up with Doc Manson to realize, no, I'm a Gorilla Monsoon, and I'm happy to be a Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, So in between... Bits and pieces of the happening, I've broken it up into pieces so that uh, you don't get overwhelmed with 30 minutes of me talking about matches that technically didn't happen and point values that technically don't matter, just like whose line is it anyway. Uh, I wanted to also share some thoughts, some feelings uh, on the world of wrestling. I'll save some of that for DDT. I have uh, two main things I want to talk about Um I have a little note card that I've been writing things down on. I think I can get through two of the three things on the note card. I think they're applicable. That's what I'm going to be chatting about. So without further ado, um, I present to you part one. Welcome back to The Happening, an eight block G1 style tournament encapsulating almost every part of the WWE Umbrella. My name is DC Matthews. Happy to be breaking down all the week six action. Now, five weeks have come and gone. Only four remain. There's only nine total weeks in the happening. So we have a sense now when we're looking at the different blocks, which we'll talk about as we get to them, who are the people who are still competitive and who are the people who sadly have sort of fallen away. And in that vein, let us turn to our first week's action, which is the women of NXT. Dakota Kai, 4-1, entering week 6. She is currently at 70 points, second place in the block, 10 points behind the block leader, Mako Satamora. Dakota is going up against Santana Garrett, who is winless in The Happening. Seems like an easy win for Dakota. Take advantage of Santana, who cannot seem to get a win. Get those points, perhaps eclipse Mako Satamora. And if Mako has a bad week, Dakota takes the lead. But nay, 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 nay! I say, <clears throat> for Santana Garrett picks up her first win of the tournament by pinning Dakota Kai. Dakota falls to four and two, does not make any point, gaining. In this week of action, remember 20 points for a pinfall, 15 points for a countout win, 10 points for a disqualification, five points for a time limit draw, and of course, zero points if you lose. Santana's on the board. She now has 20 points. And again, much too late for her to remain competitive in this tournament. I don't believe she has any chance of winning the block, but it is a lovely story that Santana got her first win. Moving on ember moon taking on mercedes martinez both of them in the running but sort of in the middle of the pack gonna be hard to see a way for victory and i think mercedes martinez knew that because a little frustration coming out of mercedes martinez she was ninth coming into week six um Ahead of no one but the aforementioned Santana Garrett. And her frustrations got the better of her. She got herself disqualified. So Ember Moon picks up the disqualification win, giving herself 10 points. Uh, She remains in sixth position. Uh, But again, 55 points. Can she catch up? Sure. There's a world in which she goes on a winning streak and everyone else begins to lose. So, you know... So I'm saying there's a chance, but it's a little hard to see. And poor Mercedes. Uh, <clears throat> just because of the way things happen, she's you know still in that eighth, ninth area. Uh, Going to be C. Maybe she'll be able to play the role of spoiler as we move on. Zaya Brookside picking up a win over Shotzi Blackheart. <clears throat> Brookside is in fifth place with 60 points. And again, like I said, there's a world in which she could be competitive and possibly win this. We'll see what happens in the remainder of the tournament. Uh, the surprise of this block is probably Jessie Kamea. Uh, many of her people know her as part of the Robert Stone brand. Uh, she has done very, very well. Beats Piper Niven by disqualification. Uh, Piper Niven, as we all know, uh, now friend of Eva Marie. This tournament was booked before uh, Piper made her way to the main roster, which is why she's still part of the NXT block. Uh, she'll probably finish out the, uh, the remainder of the tournament, but I suppose we'll have to see, won't we? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Kamea is at third place with 65 points. And then our main event matchup, Zia Lee coming in in fourth, and our leader, Mako Satamora. Excellent matchup here. Would love to see this happen in real time. And Zaya picks up a win over Mako Satomura. A countout win, uh, no less. Probably has something to do with Boa and uh, the other one whose name I don't know at ringside. Getting the countout win over Mako. Uh, Zaya also in third place. Tie with her and Jesse Kamea. So Mako doesn't pick up any points. Uh, Zia, no, Dakota Kai doesn't pick up any points. So we're in an interesting situation here looking at the standings for the NXT women here in week six. Mako still in first with 80 points. Dakota close enough behind her, 70 points, only a 10 point uh, margin of victory for Mako at the moment. And then you have Jesse Kamiya and Zaya Lee at 65 points with Shotzi in fifth with 60. Really anybody's matchup here. Mako's lead, uh, slipping a bit. Uh, So we'll have to keep an eye on what happens in the following weeks with the NXT women. But a great week of action. Sticking with NXT, but moving from the women of NXT to the tag teams of NXT, uh, we had an excellent match with Timmy and Tommy uh, AKA Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa and the grizzled young veterans, the grizzled young veterans. This is a matchup we will be seeing on NXT television. In fact, I believe, uh, this week saw a tornado tag match with these two. Uh, I don't know the results of that because I try to keep NXT spoiler free, which makes it more fun for you and me. Uh, but uh, Timmy and Tommy got a submission victory over the Grizzled Young Veterans. The Grizzled Young Veterans struggling quite a bit here in the happening. Uh, They are currently one win, four losses, and one draw. Uh, They are tied for the lowest record, the lowest point total here in their block, but they do have a win over Gallus, which is the other team with only 20 points. So technically, the Grizzled Young Veterans are in ninth place. Timmy and Tommy, With their top-out victory, gives them 20 points. They are currently with 60 points. That puts them in fourth place. They are looming. They are a dangerous uh, pair to have kind of lurking right at that point where they could make some serious movement going forward. We had our first draw of week six between Imperium and Brisango. This is the second draw for both of these teams. Now, remember, a draw is only five points, so it makes it difficult for either of these teams to be competitive when they are getting draws in a third of their matchups so far. Imperium, with only one win, they're at uh, 25 points. That puts them in eighth place, although they were in last last week, so this is at least a slight improvement. Brizango, you know, they're currently in sixth place with 50 points. They're running out of time. These draws keep setting them back. It's going to be hard for them to make a run to the top of this block if they keep keep running into time limit draws. They need to get some wins. Legato de Fantasma beat Gallus by disqualification. Uh, Neither of them really in contention at this point. Legato with this win, gets them up to 40 points. As I mentioned, Gallus is in last place. And it's worth noting here, this was a rough night for the teams of NXT UK, even if they are no longer in the UK. Every single UK team lost. Sorry, spoilers, because I haven't gotten through all of them yet. But that's just worth noting. Um, the, I don't even want to say the American teams, but the teams that have had matches in NXT UK, uh, went over for 5 this week. Everise, which was in third place, was taking on the Hunt, which was in second place. Big matchup here for these two teams. And Everise, with their coffee cups aplenty, must be something in the coffee, picking up a win over the Hunt, which moves them up back to first. They were first in week four, down to third in week five. They are now back to the top of the block with 80 points. The Hunt uh, dropping down to third with 70. And then we have MSK and Pretty Deadly. Uh, you heard what I said about the record of the UK teams. So MSK picking up their only their second win over Pretty Deadly. But MSK, even though two wins, they did have three draws. So that's enough to put them in fifth place with 55 points. So again, in striking distance, but running out of time pretty deadly still deadly uh there's actually a tie both them and the hunt have 70 points uh but pretty deadly has that tiebreaker win which enables them to take the second place spot very competitive up there at the top Everrise, pretty deadly the hunt and timmy and tommy and hell i'll even throw msk in there uh all within striking distance gonna be interesting to see how the next three weeks play out I remember the days when NXT was a developmental system. I'm not talking about FCW. I'm not even talking about the pre-network NXT, though that certainly gave us Rollins and Reigns and Biggie Langston. Yes, he had a last name, Langston. He talks about it on the New Day podcast quite a bit. But even those first few takeovers, really up until the point... Nope, I, I was going to say up until Kevin Owens showed up, but Kevin Owens moved up to the main roster. I think it's the Gargano and Cole and Champa. Up until they started becoming the major players, NXT was a developmental system. You had young guys or indie guys who needed to learn the WWE way of doing things, and then they would move on to Raw or SmackDown. I am sure if I went and looked at the rosters, I could find most of the talents on Raw and SmackDown spent some amount of time in NXT. I'm not saying that was the better way. The fact that NXT exists as a third brand and is in many people's opinion the most enjoyable part of the wrestling week unless you're one of the even fewer subset that watch NXT UK um that's fine the fact that it's great the fact that Samoa Joe showed up yesterday on NXT and you know confronted Karrion Cross and he's back and Finn Balor's around and like they have a great roster it's wonderful however as the self-appointed maven of the mid card, as the person who likes the wrestlers who aren't necessarily that main event tier, um, I personally have a problem with NXT not being a developmental system anymore. And COVID made it worse because, yeah, Bronson Reed's your North American champion. That's great. Maybe Bronson Reed eventually moves up to Raw or SmackDown. You know, Damian Priest moved on. But where do the wrestlers, and this all started with a discussion in the Bestie chat about Kona Reeves. Kona Reeves is a good wrestler with a good look. Looks like he's had good, he was trained by Offa, one of the Wild Samoans. So he's got a good background in that. He had that finest gimmick was great. But he was never going to be a big star in NXT because you had guys like Gargano and Champa, and Cole and now O'Reilly. And it's great that O'Reilly's doing something more than just being part of the Undisputed Era. But for a two-hour show, once a week, that roster is too big and too top-heavy for Kona Reeves to really get somewhere. You know, Austin Theory's another one. Yeah, he wrestled at a WrestleMania technically now, but he's aligned with Johnny Gargano. Maybe at some point that breaks up. Theory then uses that to, and uses Gargano to springboard to the next level. Maybe. But, you you know, a guy like Dexter Loomis, that story, his thing with Indy is great, but it's ancillary at best. I don't even know if it's a, maybe it's a secondary story. Um, so I miss the days where you had guys that nobody heard of getting the chance to shine. I didn't know who Tyler Breeze was. I didn't know who Sami Zayn was. You know, you, you came in, you saw these guys, you got attached to them. And then when they made it to the other roster, you celebrated their success. So where are we getting this brand? When is this, when are we getting a developmental system? People go to the performance center and train, but they're not even touring Florida anymore. You need a TV show where these wrestlers can work on promo skills in front of a live audience and to the camera, can have matches on camera in front of a live audience and get social media reaction and figure out who's working, who's not working. Maybe the answer is 205 Live. In fact, that's what I would do. You don't need a cruiserweight division anymore. Not at least, not. Oh, let me rephrase. You don't need a cruiserweight show anymore. Tony Nese and Arya Divari show up on 205 Live and wrestle, and then they go get squashed by Hit Row on NXT. So what's the point of 205 Live? Main event isn't Main Event's the B show. That's different from a developmental show. So my suggestion I take two hundred five live, which is on the network anyways. It can be one hour, it could be two hours. Let's keep it an hour. And two hundred five live becomes the show for the NXT wrestlers who are not quite ready for Tuesday nights. Kona Reeves coming back from injury. Word on the street, if you look at the the dirt sheets or whatever, is he's got a new look. He wants to do a significant character change. He would be a perfect guy to be on 205 Live once a week. And he's the, I'm assuming he's a heel, but I don't know what his character is going to be. He's the big star of 205 Live. Uh, Tyler Rust, is he injured? He wrestled on NXT a couple times. He's that type of guy who goes there. Um, while Ever Rise is an exception because they're getting over on their own and I give them credit for that all of this Ever Rise Live and the coffee cups things is great but they are a team that could, you need a place for those guys you can bring down your Grizzled Young Veterans could show up there once in a while you could bring in your NXT guys there but you need a place for those teams and those talents to get a chance to figure out what they're all about Kurt Stallion, um, August Gray, those cruiserweights who are the new breed of cruiserweights on 205 Live, they can still be there. And Kushida comes down and does an open challenge. Is Kushida ever on 205 Live? I honestly don't know. And if the cruiserweight champion isn't on the cruiserweight show, then what are we doing? So let's have, you know, call it Evolve if you want, get rid of the 205 Live name and call it Evolve. You know, they, Evolve was a thing. That was kind of what they were using Evolve for. It looks like, feels like, seems like. Have Evolve. Make a show called Evolve. NXT Evolve. Well, AEW's got some other show. NXT Evolve. Once a week. And they get the chance for these talents to shine. And then you have a guy, and again, you're going to have a very small group of people compared to the large group that watches WrestleMania, a very small niche of people who are going to watch or NXT evolve and really start to like those guys. But then when your Kona Reeves or your Tyler Rusts or whom your Simone Johnson, when they get to go to Tuesday nights, that's a big deal. Or they go to Monday nights. Or they go to friday nights. You don't have if, if NXT is truly a third brand then it does not have to be a stop on the path. You go from NXT evolve to one of the main roster spots if we're counting NXT as a main roster spot. That's kind of where this all came from. I want to I want to fall in love with new talents. In a safe space where they're not fighting for time with other people, you know, other big names. And, you know, part of this comes from that fact that Gargano and Champa, and as far as we know right now, Adam Cole don't seem to be leaving NXT and have no desire to leave NXT, which is fine. They can stay, but we need a place for the young generation, the next generation. <laughs> evolve. And so that's my fantasy booking. It's not actually booking. It's just an idea. Uh, I want NXT evolve. I have another idea that I think is even better, and I'll talk about that after more of The Happening. We are back again with The Happening, still in week six. Let's talk about NXT, the men's division, and our previous Uh, segment we did the women and the tag teams now it's time to see how the men did in NXT Kyle O'Reilly coming in at uh into week six was in first place uh Swerve Scott right behind him in second place that's where we stand let's see how the week happened those matches went Uh, First matchup, Pete Dunn versus Austin Theory. Pete Dunn was in fourth place and moved himself up to third with a pinfall victory over Austin Theory. Interesting to note, Pete Dunn only has one loss here. He is 3-1-2, which puts him at third place. He's actually tied for uh, the second highest points of the block uh, with someone that we'll talk about in a minute but does have that tiebreaker loss, which is why they are in third place, but still very dangerous Pete Dunn heading into the last three weeks of the happening. We had a matchup of the two top scores. I talked about Kyle O'Reilly and Swerve Scott. They were one and two. They did battle here in week six in what might be the biggest matchup of the entire week. Swerve Scott got a victory over Kyle O'Reilly by count Swerve bringing that heat Though I think we have to thank Hit Row for the help. Kind of helped uh, Kyle O'Reilly stay outside the ring, if you catch my meaning. Uh, O'Reilly still in first place. Swerve Scott moving up. He's now the one that has that uh, <clears throat> 70 points tiebreaker win over Pete Dunn. Uh, Kyle's got to keep pushing, much like um, the other two. There's a couple people breathing down his neck. He's got to keep the pressure on if he wants to stay in the lead here in the happening. Dexter Loomis, he's on a bit of a roll. He just picked up his second win in a row, tapping out Roderick Strong uh, and actually moving from ninth place to seventh. He now has 40 points. Is there enough time for him to make a run at the top? Probably not. Is there enough time for him to acquit himself very nicely in this tournament? I think so. Roderick Strong in ninth place. Two wins. Three losses, one draw, but only 25 points. Uh, it's a battle for dignity now, as it's going to be for a number of stars here in this tournament. Oni Lorkin, who was seventh, going up against L.A. Knight, who was third, heading into week six. Uh, they sort of swap places a little bit because Lorkin picks up the win, his first pinfall victory. He had won three matches by disqualification. A record of four and two is usually good enough to put you in the top two, maybe top three, of this tournament, but because he only won by DQ those three times, he's got to settle for fifth place and 50 points, 30 points behind Kyle O'Reilly, leader of the block. Uh, LA Knight also has 30 points, but because he just lost to Oni Lorcan, that means he is in sixth place. Both of them still in the chase. Maybe a lot of things got to go right for them, a lot of things got to go wrong for those people in the lead heading into week seven. Our final matchup featured Killian Dane and the bottom of the Brock, Mr. Cameron Grimes. Cameron cannot buy a win. (laughs) Haha, see what I did there? Because it's gimmicks about (laughs) money. Uh, Dane, fourth place, 55 points, a little further out than he probably would like. But he's in a position where one or two wins, maybe some disqualification wins for his uh, Dane done and Swerve and... Kyle O'Reilly, Killian Dane could make a run. We'll have to wait and see. Moving on, we'll stick with the men and we'll move from NXT to SmackDown. Cesaro, you know, jumping around here. I was going in order on my sheet, but let's just jump around. The big story of this, is, one of them is Cesaro, who is now 5-1, and one, pinning former tag team partner Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Cesaro has the top singles score. In the entire block, he is at 90 points, uh, which you would think, oh, man, he must have a huge edge over many of his opponents. Not so, because the second place person is one Chad Gable, who defeated Kevin Owens by pinfall and has moved from third place to second place with him now 85 points. So Cesaro may have the top score, but Chad Gable is right there next to him. What about Otis, you ask, who was first uh, in the block heading into week six? He lost to Alistair Black by disqualification. Now, interesting little strategy here on the part of Otis. Otis already had 70 points. He was leading the block. Alistair Black was in fourth place. I think what may have happened here, I didn't get to talk to Otis after the match, but I think what may have happened here is Otis, by getting himself intentionally disqualified only gave Alistair Black those 10 points, which means that he's not going to get close to Otis's 70 points. He went from 45 to 55. Had Alistair Black happened to get a submission victory or a pinfall, he'd only be five points away from Otis. A little bit of strategy there on the bit of Otis, I think, keeping Alistair Black, actually, who moved from fourth place to fifth place because of this, keeping him a little further away from the leaders of the pack. So... uh. The Alpha Academy switched places. You know, Gable went from third to second. Otis went from first to third. Sami Zayn moving into the top four with a pinfall victory over Big E. Staying alive, he's got 60 points. And Shane Thorne is undefeated since taking over for Buddy Murphy, picking up a pinfall victory over Apollo Cruz and being in 50, at 50 points. Now, granted, that's only sixth place. I don't think he's going to win the tournament, but he... Shane Thorne hasn't lost. Someone to keep an eye on as this tournament moves on. Poor Kevin Owens, poor Big E, and poor Apollo Crews. They are taking the bottom three spots, only 25 points apiece. I don't know what's next for them. All three are top competitors. I think all three will continue valiantly trying to be competitive in this tournament. But Cesaro's got 90 points. These three three could pool together as one sort of big, you know, human centipede of wrestling and still only be in third place here on SmackDown. Moving to the women of Raw and SmackDown. Nikki Cross. Picking up a pinfall victory over Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler at the beginning of this tournament looked like she was going to run away with it. Victory after victory. But then people got scared. People began taking countouts or disqualifications rather than dealing with the Queen of Spades. And now she's, she's run into some bad luck. She's still got 55 points. That still puts her in fourth place. So she's still competitive in here considering the leader of this block only has 75 points. Shayna gets a pinfall or a tap out. The leader of the block, who we'll talk about in a minute, loses. She's right back in the hunt. Nikki Cross, however, with her third victory, uh, after a rough start for her, she's in second place with 65 points. So a lot to love about Nikki Cross, both here in The Happening and watching her just have a really good time on Monday Night Raw. Mia Yim is who I was talking about. She is still leading the block, regaining or retaining her spot at the top of the bracket, beating Ruby Riot by disqualification. Again, we talked about Otis, a little bit of strategy. I think Ruby Riot had a little bit of strategy as well because not this wasn't keeping a challenger from getting close. This was keeping the leader from pulling away only a 10 point victory for Mia Yim so she stays at 75 points Ruby Riot's former partner in the Riot squad Liv Morgan with a pinfall victory over Mandy Rose also has 65 points she and Nikki Cross are tied for second place only 10 points behind Mia Yim was Ruby looking out for her former partner I kind of think she was uh Eva Marie was Owen Five she was taking on Naomi who was 3 and 2 Eva didn't win, but we had a draw. Eva's first points on the board with a draw, five points for her. Now, what's interesting, going into week seven, I wonder, Piper Niven, now, there, Eva and Naomi, hey, that happened on Raw, or it was going to until Piper Niven. Now, does that mean that Piper's going to take Eva Marie's place for the last three weeks of the happening? If so, who takes Piper's place on uh, the NXT women's bracket? We'll have to see what goes on in week seven. Uh, Naomi, by getting this draw and only getting five points, puts her down from third place to fifth place, tied with Shayna Baszler, but actually losing the tiebreaker. So there she is at 55 Carmella picking up a tap out victory over Dana Brooke. Uh, Dana was doing very well. At one point may have been even in the lead here in this block. Now she's at six points with fifth or sixth place, excuse me, with 50 points. Now with Mia only at 75, it's not over for Dana and Carmella has 45 points. So this block may be of all the others, with the exception of Eva Marie and Mandy Rose. Everybody's. Still got a shot. There's a world in which Carmella gets into this top three pretty easily. You know, the cards have to fall in. You have to have a victory for her, a loss for some of the other people. But she could do it. In our next segment, we will talk about the final three matchups here in The Happening. We'll talk about the tag division, NXT UK, and Monday Night Raw. We'll see you a little later. I like tag team wrestling. If you're listening to this, I bet you like tag team wrestling. And if you're also listening to this, I bet you are dismayed and frustrated with the fact that tag team wrestling in today's WWE is not great. Let's say that. There are some great teams on all of the brands. Pretty Deadly being the NXT UK Tag Team Champions is a wonderful thing and a breath of fresh air. But tag team wrestling does not get the prioritization that I think it deserves. And I think you agree. Part of that reason obviously comes from the top and the people at the top's opinions on tag team wrestling. No denying that. There's no, there's nothing I can say about that that probably hasn't already been said a hundred times. But part of the problem is also that there are too many tag team championships. There are probably too many titles in general, but that's a different segment for a different show. Raw and SmackDown, let's just start there, because that's where the big problem is. Raw and SmackDown, there is no earthly reason why both of those brands need separate tag team titles. The women of NXT only have one title, tag title. The women of WWE, the Raw and SmackDown, only have one tag title. Why? Are the men of Raw, whose champions I'm assuming are still AJ and Omos, and the men of SmackDown, the champions are the Mysterios, I think? Yes. Yes. And I only know that because of the work I've been doing for The Happening. So why do we need two champions? It doesn't make sense. There's not enough tag teams on either brand to justify two titles. You could have one, the WWE tag team champions, male title, women's title. You want to put them on both brands and they can get drafted and switch places. I don't love that, but even that would be better. But they can cross brands. We need, and again, I'm going to try to save my thoughts on the other titles for another segment on another show. But we need these titles to move. There is no reason why, if AJ and Omos are actually the champions, why they can't show up on SmackDown and wrestle the Street Profits or the Dirty Dogs or... um. The Mysterios, I suppose. I'm trying to think of another SmackDown team or Alpha Academy. These tag team titles could go. Part of the problem is you've got two championships that clearly do not matter. They are pre-show titles if they are defended at all. And again, had this not been... Uh, a show I came up with off the top of my head, I would have done the research and been like, okay, in the last 12 months, how many times have these titles been defended on pay-per-view? I'm not going to do that. I should have. I freely admit I could pause and do it, but that sounds like a lot of work. You do the research. You know what? You, you, you make me do all this stuff and you offer me nothing but listening. And I do appreciate that, (laughs) but I bet it's less than fifty percent. I bet if you looked at the pay-per-views since, uh, let's go back to the be- let's go back to the beginning of twenty twenty. You know, okay, you win. Hold on, I'll do the math. All right, I did the math, and actually, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did because the results are even worse than I had thought. Um, I went back to the beginning of 2020, and I looked at every WWE Raw or SmackDown pay-per-view. I think actually they're combined at this point, but regardless. And I made a T-chart for Raw, and I made a T-chart for SmackDown, and just yes or no. Title match, not title match. Um, The Raw title was, appeared on the show in a match, uh, seven out of 16 uh, pay-per-views. So seven they were on, nine they were not. Uh, the SmackDown one exactly the same record. Seven times they defended the title, nine times they did not. Uh, interesting things to note, one of the SmackDown tag team titles was a pre-show match. I'm actually surprised it was one. That was the only pre-show tag title match since the beginning of 2020. Happened once. Uh, I also had to count Survivor Series where it was champion versus champion. So technically the titles weren't on the line, but technically they wrestled at the pay-per-view. So I will count that. Although if you take that out, then it's six and nine or six and ten. Perhaps the most darning stat of all, the SmackDown tag team titles were not defended at a two-night WrestleMania. They cared so little for the SmackDown tag team titles, they didn't even put it on a two-night WrestleMania. Uh, and as of this moment, Hell in a Cell's this weekend, still early. I'm recording on a Wednesday. Uh, there are no tag team tag team title matches scheduled for Hell in a Cell. So where does that put us? Each uh, seven wins, nine, or seven <laughs> yes, nine no's means 14 times out of 32 uh, opportunities, considering, again, 16 pay-per-views to... Um, Titles, fourteen times. That comes out to forty-four percent. The Raw or SmackDown tag team titles were defended forty-four percent of the time for pay-per-views. I didn't count anything uh, in India or Saudi Arabia. Didn't count the Super Showdowns. Don't consider them. <clears throat> the, I'm counting your, you know, your pay-per-views that are mostly story-based. Forty-four uh, percent. No reason why you couldn't have one tag division that is actually competitive 44% one of them not even at wrestlemania ridiculous <clears throat> you take new day usos street profits even if the usos aren't a team anymore throw them in the mix um you know the the tag team block of the happening I'll give you another example now granted i could have put alpha academy in there but i had them both in the the singles Um, The tag team block for Raw and SmackDown for The Happening was so small, I could find so few tag teams that I had to put the champions in, which is not something I did in any other block. Women's champions, not in The Happening. Men's champions, with the exception of Apollo Crews, not in The Happening. I had to put the Mysterios and AJ and Omos in to get 10 teams. There are not, uh, again... Excluding one of the It would be very difficult to find 10 tag teams on either Raw or SmackDown. How do you have two titles? There is no point. Get rid of one. You want to make a Trios title? Now I'm listening, but again, that's another segment for another show. Get rid of one of the titles, have a champions versus champions match. AJ and Elmos versus the Mysterios or whomever you want to put the titles on to have that tag team champions versus champions. You have one men's tag team title and one women's tag team title, and they can go between both shows. You don't have to have them on every pay-per-view. I don't believe every championship needs to be defended on every pay-per-view. But I bet if we took the next year and a half with one male title, I bet they would appear on more than 44% Of the (sighs) pay-per-views. I understand that tag team wrestling to some people is not important. But it has to be important enough to at least... Be part diversity in terms of the kinds of matches that you get is important. Tag matches are the perfect bit of diversity you throw in between a couple of singles matches, or you throw in between all of that. It keeps things fresh. It keeps things interesting. Timmy and Tommy, Thatcher and Champa. Champa had done I thought everything he I thought he was gonna retire. And now his his he seems to be reinvigorated and he's much more interesting now that he's part of a tag team. Tag team wrestling is worth it. It's important. It needs to be valued and you value it by giving it one title and you do something with it. You assign some writers, a couple of writers, get Jeremy and Glenn to do it, get the piece of business podcast to do it for all I care. Give them the tag division and say, go, I'll give you, you know, Whatever segments you need on whatever shows you need, you have five hours a week to cover. They can have an hour a week or an hour and a half of your week to devote to tag team wrestling. Make it matter. Make it important. Guarantee you fans will be on board. I promise. We've got three more blocks to get through here on week six of The Happening, so let's not waste any time. The Tag Division. Viking Raiders picking up a pinfall victory over the Usos. The Usos had been on a two-week winning streak. That came to a stop. Viking Raiders, they're in fifth place, up from ninth, which is good, but they're going to need a lot of luck to catch the winner. You may have remember me mentioning that Cesaro has the highest point value for singles wrestlers with 90. Well... There's a tag team who's got them beat. Those are not the Dirty Dogs or the Street Profits. Uh, The Dogs pick up a win, but the Dogs are in ninth. The Street Profits are in tenth. This is a battle of basement dwellers here. And I must tell you, Montez Ford is not taking it well. Very frustrated with the situation and almost, it seemed, I don't want to speculate, but it seemed a little frustrated with partner Angelo Dawkins as well. I'm just saying it looked a little bit like he was a little bit upset with that partner of his. We'll see if that continues. Speaking of which in our last week in week five, Dominic Mysterio resorting to some underhanded tactics, uh, which Papa Ray did not appreciate. So the little bit of a uh, frustration there as well, the Mysterio's back on track though. They pinned the Miz and Morrison, uh, Mysterios in second place with 80 points. Miz and Morrison, they're in third, but they only have 60 points. Going to be hard to catch up with the Mysterios and the leader of this block, which is the New Day, beating AJ and Omos by disqualification. The New Day has 95 points. They are pulling away from just about everybody, with the exception of the Mysterios. Our final matchup here is T-Bar and Mace seem to be getting used to the fact that they are big guys and they should be, you know, seemed a little shy at first, seemed a little nervous at first, but they're growing more comfortable. They beat AJ and Omos, making the giant feel not so big. They continued that run, beating the Lucha Dragons or the Lucha House Party, the Lucha whoever they are right now, beating them by count out. Uh... T-Bar and Mace making it up to fourth place with 50 points. They're 45 points behind the New Day. I don't think they're going to have any shot of taking them. But for guys like T-Bar and Mace, if they can finish in the top four, even top three, that's, a, that's almost as good as winning their block. Because that's a big showing against some really good tag teams here uh, in this block. Moving to NXT UK... Dave Mastiff, the bomber, picking up a win over Bailey Matthews. Now, Bailey, interesting story when you actually start to break down Bailey's wins and losses. Three wins, two losses, and one draw. Bailey Matthews has struggled with size. Lost, I believe, to, I would have to look, either Joe Coffey or Rampage Brown. Our stats department's going to need to uh, get with it there. Losing to Dave Mastiff. So having difficulty with the bigger wrestlers, lucky for him, if you look ahead to his next three opponents, he's got the tall guy and Eddie Dennis, but then he also is wrestling two wrestlers of, I'm not going to call them diminutive, but of a smaller size. And Bailey Matthews seems to do very well against those folks. Uh, with the loss, Bailey stays at 65 points, which moves him from second place to third place, but he is within striking distance of our leader. Flash Morgan Webster taking his spot in second place with a pinfall victory over Nathan Frazier. Uh, Webster is five points behind the block leader, so he is very, very close. Nathan Frazier, his record, 1-4-1. and one. Not impressive at all, but he has looked good in every week of action. You can tell. Nathan Frazier, give him a couple of years, he is going to be ruling the block when we do the happening in... Mark my words. Ilya Dragunov beats Rampage Brown by disqualification. Uh, Both of these guys are in the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, No major stories here. Uh, Hopefully, they get the chance to finish strong and look good in the end weeks of the happening. Joe Coffey picking up a pinfall victory over block leader Trent Seven. Uh, Trent's, you know, had a pretty good lead there for a while, but he's five points ahead of Webster, only 15 ahead of Matthews and Joe Coffey staying in fourth place with 60. Joe Coffey has not lost since week one, lost in week one. And since then, it's either been three victories or two draws. Joe Coffey or Kofi, excuse me, Glenn, Joe Coffey is a dangerous man. And finally, Tyler Bate pinning Eddie Dennis, Eddie Dennis in ninth place, Tyler Bate in fifth. He's got 55 points, so there's a chance. But he's got to win, and he's got to win big. He's got to get pinfall victories pretty much in these last three weeks if he wants any shot of being the block leader coming out of the happening. Our final block of action brings us to Monday Night Raw. Hector Hector Garza. I say that all the time. That's not the first time I've made that mistake. Angel Garza. Pinning Damian Priest. Angel Garza has moved into the top five with 45 points. Long way to go still, but top five for him is a good showing. Damian Priest, uh, he was doing well, but now he is in eighth place. Got to get a move on here if he wants to be competitive. A strong finish is all Damian Priest is looking for at this point. Jinder Mahal leading with 80 points heading into this. uh, Wrestling to another draw. With Drew Gulak, uh, not that they had multiple draws, but I believe this is the second draw in a row for Mr. Ginder. Uh, he's still well in first place. He's got a 20-point lead over the second-place person. So he, these draws are not hurting him in a way they would hurt other people in other blocks. At the same time, though, ginder has got to get back on track. Drew Gulak, two wins, two losses, two draws, good enough for fourth place. Is he going to win this block? I don't think so. Is he going to have a very strong showing, worthy of having six T-shirts? You bet your bippy he is. Umberto Carrillo pinning Cedric Alexander in a battle of the second and third place uh, people heading into week six. They now switch places. Umberto moves up to second, 65 points, 20 points behind Ginder. Still there, but it's a little trickier for him. Uh, Cedric... You know, he's four and one. This is Cedric's first loss, but he won so many matches by disqualification. You can't accumulate a lot of points. You are not going to be competitive in the G1 happening if all your wins come by disqualification. Uh, Umberto has less wins, but more points because he got pinfalls. Shelton Benjamin pins Keith Lee. Shelton rising from ninth place to sixth place. Keith Lee. Takes his place in ninth place. These two are both battling for dignity at this point. Uh, And Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali stays winless. It's a draw. Another draw. This is Ricochet's third draw. Half of his matches have gone the time limit. Second draw for Mustafa Ali. Ricochet at 40 points. Mustafa Ali with 10. Will Mustafa get a win? He only has three more chances to do so. That's all for week six of The Happening. A whole lot happened in The Happening. Can't wait to look at week seven with you next time. This is DC Matthews. This has been The Happening. You have yourself a great few days where I hope you celebrate the joy of booking.